0: A disciple is literally a learner, one who is being mentored by the master. It also denotes one who follows another's teaching. Thus, a disciple is a lifelong learner who lives out what he or she is learning from the teacher. Mark 3:14 says, "Jesus appointed 12, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach." Even today, men and women are his method. We're called to be with Jesus and then go with the gospel to those who need to hear. Welcome to On Mission, the preaching ministry of Edgewood Baptist Church in Rock Island. When we gather together, we meet on 38th Street. And when we're scattered, we strive to live on mission all over the Quad Cities area. Tony Evans says, people want salvation, but don't want to put in the time to be strong disciples of Jesus Christ. What many Christians want to do is to audit the Christian life. An audit is where a person goes to class to get information, but is not required to do any of the work. Christ came near, and they knew Him. Now He tells them to make Him known. Now that we know, we must grow and go so we can make Him known to those who don't know. A disciple is a believer who lovingly follows Jesus and intentionally helps others follow Him. Listen now to Part 2 of Discipleship Defined.
1: Now, the word disciple is literally a learner, one who's been mentored and being mentored by the master. It also denotes one who follows another's teaching. Thus, a disciple is a lifelong learner who lives out what he or she is learning from the teacher. Mark 3.14 says, Jesus appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Be with so that he can send them out. Even today, men and women, teenagers, boys and girls are his method. We're called to be with Jesus and then to go with the gospel to those who need to hear it. Discipleship is more than just getting to know what the teacher knows. It's becoming more like who the teacher is. The goal of a disciple is given by Jesus, Luke 640. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained, listen to this, will be like his teacher. Bill Hall, who pastored at Homewood Evangelical Free Church here in the Quad Cities, describes a disciple as someone whose intention is to follow Jesus and learn from him how to live his life as though Jesus were living it. So here's what I wrote down. After reading several articles after going through some excellent training from Pastor Tim and Pastor Kyle on discipleship, after reading a couple books on discipleship, here's what I jotted down. A disciple loves Jesus, learns from Jesus, lives out what he learns, and leaves a legacy to others. So our commission is more than just evangelism. We must make disciples by evangelizing, by equipping, by edifying, and by enfolding new believers into reproducing churches. This is clearly evident, the model in the book of Acts, Acts 14.21, when they had preached the gospel to that city, listen, and had made many disciples. They return. They preached. Why did they preach? To make many disciples. And then they returned. There's one main verb, one main command in this passage. Here it is. Make disciples. We're to go in order to make disciples. We're to baptize disciples. And we're to reach and teach disciples to obey. Next phrase. Of all nations. When Jesus first sent out his disciples in Matthew 10, he told them to only go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well now, right before he leaves, when he gives the great commission, he inaugurates an explicitly worldwide mission. Well, this was not only new and novel to many Jews, it would have been abhorrent for some of them to even think about going to pagan lands. The task of making disciples must extend to the ends of the earth. The word nations is the Greek ethne, from which we get ethnic and refers to people groups, not just countries. So our task is not just to make disciples in the 195 or so countries of the world. But it's to go to the 16,000 distinct people groups located across the continents. And many of those people groups are still unreached with the gospel. They've never heard the name of Jesus. Many of those groups of people do not have the Bible translated into their language. And so we're to make disciples of everyone, everywhere, at all times. Now, no doubt, this requires dedicated disciples who will go, and it also requires others who will stand behind them with their prayers and their pocketbooks. I was at a conference many years ago, and I heard John Piper make a statement that was bold, but I've never forgotten it. John Piper said there are only three possible responses to the Great Commission. Response number one is to go. Response number two is to send others who go. Response number three is to disobey. Go, send, or disobey. And I fear that we as American Christians have lost sight that there are thousands of people dying without Christ every day and waking up in the horrors of hell. So here's a question What percentage of the world's 7.1 billion people reside? In the United States? Anybody want to take a guess? Of the world's population, there's 7.1 billion people on the planet. What percent live in the United States? 20? That's a little high. Yeah, it's, it's closer. It's, fi- it's 5% of the world's population. And yet, don't we often act like we're the center of the universe? Revelation 5, verse 9, And with your blood, you purchase men for God from every tribe and language and people and tongue. So here's how I look at it. Since there'll be believers from every people group in heaven... You and I must go with the gospel and develop disciples to the ends of the earth. Next phrase, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is a sign of separation from the world and identification with the triune God where we pledge allegiance to the Almighty. It's an outward expression of an inner confession And would you know, we're to baptize in the name, not in the names. We see the unity and diversity. There is one God eternally existing as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Have you ever been to a grocery store and you saw a can and it no longer had a label on it? And my guess is you weren't going to buy that can because you don't really know what's inside. So if the can has a label that says green beans, it's like the can is saying, I want you to know green beans live inside me. When you're baptized, you're putting a label on yourself and you're saying, Jesus Christ lives inside me and I belong to him. Listen, if you are born again, and you've not been baptized by immersion, that is your next step. Maybe you're thinking, oh, you have to say that. You're a Baptist pastor. Uh, Jesus said that. It's a step of obedience. And our next baptisms will take place right up here. Uh, We'll schedule the date sometime in February. Well, it doesn't end with baptizing, and then it says teaching, Jesus says teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. So we're not interested in just filling heads, we want filled up hearts and hands and feet that obey. We're to teach people to observe all that Jesus commanded, meaning a lifetime of learning and living out what the Lord teaches us. That's why we take the Bible so seriously here. One Greek dictionary explains it as persisting in obedience. 500 years ago today, Martin Luther was excommunicated. This is something Martin Luther said about biblical faith. Quote, while others are debating whether faith produces works real faith has already run out into the streets and is at work. Tony Evans writes this, people want salvation, but they don't want to put in the time to be strong disciples of Jesus Christ. What many Christians want to do is audit the Christian life. An audit is where a person goes to class to get information, but is not required to do any of the Christ came near and they knew him. Now he tells them to make him known. Now that we know, we must grow so we can make him known to those who don't know. A disciple is a believer who lovingly follows Jesus. Doesn't stop there. And intentionally helps others follow him. Number three, be comforted by the faithful assurance of Jesus. Jesus has all the authority to give any assignment he chooses. But frankly, that can feel overwhelming. And so he quickly promises his presence. Look at the last part of verse 20. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. While Jesus gives what seems like an impossible assignment, he does so with his authority and with his faithful assurance that he will be with us. Jesus is present with us throughout the entire discipleship process. As some translations use the word amen or lo for the word behold, the Greek literally means see, pay close attention, behold, remember. That phrase, I am, it's emphatic. It's as if there's an exclamation mark behind it. It brings us back to Exodus 3.14 when God referred to himself this way, I am who I am. And so when Moses wonders what he should say to the people, when they ask who sent him, God says, Moses, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. In a similar way, you and I are sent by the great I am and we have the added promise of his presence as we proclaim the gospel. The word with means remaining in the midst of, always means the whole of every day. It's fascinating. Matthew begins his gospel, Matthew 121, describing Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in their midst. That is application to worship, but specifically, Jesus is talking about church discipline of confronting a believer who's sinning, who's straying. You fast forward to the end of the gospel of Matthew, and we read that Jesus will be with us. Jesus is not only with us when we gather in his name, he's with us when we go in his name. And because we have his assurance to be with us, you and I can complete his authoritative assignment to go and make disciples. So in that sense, we don't go for him, we go with him, or maybe we should say he goes with us. So no matter how challenging and difficult the task may seem, remember the Redeemer is with you. Hold on to the promise found in Matthew 16, 18, words of Jesus, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Ray Pritchard puts it precisely. You'll never know if Jesus has the power to help you until you really need his help. You'll never know if Jesus is with you until you decide to go somewhere in his name. The entire commission is bookended with God's sovereign power, all authority, here's the other bookend, his eternal presence. I will be with you. In summary, Jesus is saying something like this, be convinced of my full authority. Be committed to follow my assignment and be comforted by my faithful assurance. Jesus is surely with us, and he'll be with us to the very end of the age. We are able only because he enables. Jesus promised in John fourteen eight, I will not leave you as orphans. So every time you go with the gospel, every step of obedience that you take, Every time you strive to live out the Great Commission, every time you have that awkward spiritual conversation with someone, every time you seek to disciple someone, Jesus is there with you. And he will be with you until the end of the age. You can count on the promise of his presence. We are never closer to Jesus than when we're doing what he commanded us to do. Let me rewind that. We are never closer to Jesus than when we're doing what he commanded us to do. Hey, would you know the four uses of the word all in this passage? Jesus possesses all authority. He sends us to all nations. We're to teach people all he's commanded. And when we make disciples, he is with us always. You know, as I was thinking about what all of this means for Edgewood, I don't want discipleship just to become a program of Edgewood because discipleship is the purpose of our church. It's not just one of many ministries, it is our ministry mandate. And it's for everyone, not just the pastors. It must start in our hearts and then fleshed out into our homes. That's where it's got to start first. So parents, you are called to make disciples of your children. Grandparents, we are called to disciple grandchildren. And while decisions for Christ are important, the true metric is how many disciples of Christ we are making. Our aim is for everyone to be lovingly following Jesus and intentionally helping others to do the same. We want you to be discipled by someone and for you to disciple someone. Let me ask for closing questions. Question number one, are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? If you don't know Jesus yet, it's time for you to get saved. Put your faith in him and then lovingly follow him for the rest of your life. Question number two, what one thing will you do to grow in 2021? Because here's a news flash you will not coast into Christ-likeness. You will not coast into Christ-likeness. According to research, only those who are intentional will actually engage in discipleship and grow as a disciple. We must not only have faith in Jesus, we must be faithfully following him. So if you want 2021 to be different Decide to go deep. Some of you are saved, but you're not surrendered. Others of you are born again, but you've not been baptized. So what are you waiting for? Let's together gather as God's people. Let's grow, let's give, and let's go with the gospel. All for the glory of God. Question number three. What's your Bible reading plan for 2021? Studies show reading the Bible is the number one predictor for spiritual growth. If you want to grow, you must get into God's word, and you must allow God's word to get into you. That's our topic next weekend. Now, some of you already have a reading plan in place. That's great. If you don't, I highly recommend the Edgewood plan. Pastor Tim puts that together. There's a new one every month. This month, we're going through the Gospel of Matthew. You can find that on our app, our website. There are paper copies out in the lobby. Question number four, what one person will you pour into in 2021? Moses had Joshua. Eli influenced Samuel. Elijah impacted Elisha. Barnabas put his arm around Paul. Priscilla and Aquila discipled Apollos. Paul trained Timothy and Titus. And Jesus discipled the 12 and gave more extensive exhortations to Peter, James, and John. D.L. Moody once stated it's better to train 10 people than to do the work of 10 people. But it's harder. The group Jesus poured into was small. It took him over three years to train 12 people while there were millions in the world at the time. So here's a question. How could a dozen men, 11 men, be expected to reach all nations with the gospel? The answer is found in the principle of multiplication. Allow me to illustrate Would you rather have a million dollars every week for a year or one penny for the first week and then double it every week for a year? You'll take that, yeah. So at the end of the year, option one would yield $52 million. That's a nice sum of money, but option two would give you over $22 trillion. Let's take that out of dollars and put it into discipleship. Would it be better to disciple 10 people a year for 30 years or to be better to disciple one person every two years, but that person would in turn disciple someone else and that person would disciple someone? Option one would yield 300 disciples in 30 years. Option two would produce 32,768 disciples. A disciple is a believer who lovingly follows Jesus and intentionally helps others to do the same. Now let me see if I can finally answer our daughter Megan's question. What's a new Christian supposed to do, Daddy? Lovingly follow Jesus, Megan, and then intentionally help others to do the same.
0: Let me repeat three sentences we just heard. You will not coast into Christlikeness. According to research, only those who are intentional will actually engage in discipleship. We must not only have faith in Jesus, but we must also faithfully follow him. Thanks for joining us for On Mission. If you'd like to hear more messages like this one, go to edgewoodbaptist.net or download our free mobile app on the Apple App Store or Google Play by searching for Edgewood QC. If you don't have a church family, we'd love to have you as a guest at one of Edgewood's three weekend services, Saturday at 5 or Sunday at 9 or 1045. We have a full children's program during both Sunday services. My name is Matt Williams, and I'm a member of Edgewood. Ethan Curry, also an Edgewood member, is serving as the producer of this program. We look forward to connecting with you again next weekend as we learn more about how to live on mission. Until then, go deep in God's Word and keep applying it to your world. On Mission is furnished by Edgewood Baptist in Rock Island, Illinois.